The following is not suitable for children because Jiggles likes to cuss. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tucker. I'm Jiggles, and welcome to the Bench Riders Podcast, the show where we talk about philosophy, psychology, science, culture, and ideas. Yep, and we just wanted to get on here and let you guys know that the audio is going to sound a little different once this episode starts. There were a lot of growing pains that came along with starting this podcast, Um, so we're actually recording this in a different place than where the episode was recorded, but we still thought it was important to put out these early episodes because they represent the start of this podcast, and so hope that you will bear with us with that. How are you doing today, Jugs? I'm very tired, but... We're going to get this discussion done. We're going to have a, a thoughtful and uh, brain-expanding talk here. How you doing, Tucker? I'm okay. I'm tired like you. I've had no motivation this week, uh, but hopefully we can have a good discussion. I'm motivated to do this, at least. So I've heard that when you're talking to Jiggles, motivation <laughs> comes, so you're welcome. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about uh, Aristotle and part of his book of ethics. So Jiggs is going to go ahead and break that down for us. This is Tucker here to remind you that, as my brother would say, we're just two dumbasses neandering into a mic, and we get things wrong, and we make mistakes, and we're trying to be okay with that and get our voices out there anyway, so we hope that you'll be merciful and patient with us as we do that. So Jiggs, who was Aristotle? Aristotle, known as the founder of many branches of Western philosophy. Uh, you can't really go far into any branch of academia without running into him at some point. He, he kind of acts as a sort of baseline for, for many ideas and thoughts. He was born in Greece in 384 BCE. Uh, He lived there until his father died in 367, and after that, Aristotle migrated to Athens. It was there where he joined Plato's Academy and studied as Plato's pupil for about 20 years. When Plato eventually died in 348 and Plato's nephew had became the head of the Academy, Aristotle decided that it was his time to move on from the Academy and he migrated to Assus. I don't know if I'm saying that right, so please forgive me. Um, This is where, it was there Plato got into more biology, zoology, and more natural sciences, and created a lot of his writings about that. And then when he was 50, he went back to Athens and established his school there. It is known as the Lyceum. The school was not a private school like many of the other schools at the time. All of the lectures, at least most of them, were open to the public. You could go there for free if you were a citizen of Athens. And it was here that he would deliver many lectures, a lot of them involving ethics and political science, which were then compiled into his book of ethics. So yeah, that book of ethics is what we're going to look at today, specifically sections one through four, and Jiggs is going to walk us through what that looks like. Okay, so section one, book one, Aristotle immediately questions actions and claims that all actions have to point to some end or some good. 
it's important to note that by good, he doesn't necessarily mean something that is like good in nature. He just means a good. Um, it, it can kind of go interchangeably with the word end. But so all actions point toward some end. And some of these ends are lesser than other ends. And so he creates this sort of hierarchy of ends where there are lower ends that are sought out in order to achieve higher ends. He gives an example of making um, sort of like saddles for horses and that the action of making the saddle for the horse, the saddle is an end in itself, but the end, the saddle is used in another end which could be riding the horse and that's an end in itself but that end could be used in an even larger end which could be for using the horse in military strategy and that can it goes on and on and so it creates this hierarchy where you can keep going um where there's there's always something greater you're pursuing and that's why you're doing what you're doing because you're somewhere in that hierarchy and then in section two, he kind of questions the structure of this hierarchy. And he says, well, there are two options. It either goes on forever, which means that we're always looking for something greater. We're always doing something because there's something further down the line. And in that case, all of our actions would be in vain. And we would sort of go down the existentialist route. But since he's writing about ethics and not existentialism, there must be a top to the hierarchy, a good or end which we seek just to have it in itself. There's nothing greater than it. It is the end which we seek just because we seek it for itself, is how he put it. And that he calls the chief good or the highest good. Uh, you'll see it translated in many different ways. And in the second portion of section three, Aristotle kind of flexes his knowledge and digs on young people and says that the only way to truly study political science is to have experience in putting reason before feeling. Aristotle was very big in putting reason before feeling. And you have to have experience in this. This is not something that can be taught. And so this is why he claims that young people can't have that much experience and therefore they can't study or he, he uses the word hearer of his lectures, which I find very humorous. Um, and then in section four, he says, assuming that there is a chief good, highest good, that which everything points to, then what is it? And he says that many people will agree that the highest good is happiness. And Aristotle doesn't necessarily disagree with this. He kind of just says, okay, but what is that? And he kind of points out that everyone has a different definition of what they think happiness is. And even one person's definition can change by the day-to-day -day or where they're at in life, how they're feeling. He says, like, people's definition of wealth when they're wealthy is far different than their definition of wealth when they're poor. And he puts it into perspective that way. 
and he says to track down happiness we have to start with what we know and this goes back to the sort of experience putting reason before feelings we have to start with what we know and then figure out what is unknown to us and that is his general thesis for ethics thanks jigs now we're uh going to get into just kind of discussing all of that because there's a lot of stuff and so we're going to kind of break it down together and discuss what we think about it so tucker what do you think about all actions pointing towards an end do you think that everything we do has to have a purpose i think that's a loaded question because to me when i was looking at this first section it kind of reminded me um like of the notion of like you know everything kind of works out or eventually like you know like the law of averages like things just work out and I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily what he's getting at. I think that's just like where my mind went like at the beginning. Um, I think in the sense of we do things for something higher than itself, I do think he's right. I think, you know, um, like we go to work. But you don't go to work necessarily to go to work. It's great when you can. And, I, you know, the whole notion of like... If you do something you love, you never work a day in your life kind of thing. I think, um, you know, maybe in that sense, that person is getting their work higher up the, the end scale, right? Like their work is higher up the ladder. Um, but you typically say you go to work. Lucky. <laughs> yeah, you go to work to earn money. But like money in and of itself doesn't really mean anything. Money is only money's end is only in what it can buy like if if we couldn't buy things with money and somebody's like i have a hundred thousand dollars you're like okay what does that do for you then, right but <laughs> we the only reason we have value in money is because you hear a hundred thousand dollars and you think of the things you can buy with it so i think you know you have like that end money's end is to buy things um and i feel like that when you think of it that way instead of I mean, some of his examples, I understand this is a very old lecture, so some of his examples, I feel like... Maybe a little outdated yeah. by a couple, maybe you, one or two years. Yeah, I feel like if you think about it, like I said, is like you you go to work, but you go to work for the end of making money, and then making money is, again, an end that leads to the things you buy with it. You know, you buy a house, but that house... The end of buying that house is so that you can live there, you know, and then it's like you're, you're going up the ladder. Eventually, you've gone back to where you work so you can live at that house kind of thing. So you think, and this is going to get nerdy if anyone's a CS person, so you think that it sort of ends up being a sort of circle in the hierarchy where you get trapped in a, in a circle, kind of like a... A circular linked list if anyone knows computer science let me know you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's necessarily a circle because i think that you i mean maybe i mean because i think that somebody 
at least in the example I'm saying, like, you know, you could have money and then sometimes people still want to work. Like, working can be an end at least close higher up on the scale than we would typically think of it. Um, so, like, the value, like, of working in a sense that, like, you enjoy doing the work or you enjoy the product of the work? Not necessarily what you get out of the work, but, like, before money, you know, when the work was, well, we're building this house because we all need a place to live, so we're going to build everybody houses. Like, are you saying that that... Are you are you valuing just the work itself or the product from the work? Is what what I'm, I'm, what I'm asking. I don't know. If the, if, if the work is at the higher end of the hierarchy, is that when we're valuing the work itself and, like, how the work sort of gives meaning to our lives or because I mean that certainly with the way you you know you can feel if you don't have a job you know (laughs) (laughs) you uh you definitely are not happy and I think having a purpose and having a job can sort of lead you towards happiness and if that is the highest good then perhaps having a job is higher up than you, you may think it to be. It's not necessarily just a means of I need to survive so that I can be happy, first of all. Well, I think that's where you're getting into um, his notion, like, near the end where he was talking about happiness is not the same thing defined the same way. Like, for one person, work might be, you know, like, number 10 on the scale I don't know how far the scale goes, right? Because that's, like, we haven't defined that. But maybe it's, like, number 10 for one person. But then someone else, it's, like, number four. And they have a lot more things that the work is getting towards. I think that when we talk about loving work, you're typically, what we're wanting is something that you love doing for the sake of doing it. You know, it's like you want, the dream is that, whatever you're doing to earn money is also something that you love doing. It's your passion. And your passion is a lot more connect. It's higher up on that scale than a lot of times the thing you do for money. The goal is that they meet and that you kind of drag work up to the point where passion is on the scale. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So you got to, you know, it's the old quote, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. like I, Which yeah. is... <laughs> Let's just say that's maybe real. Yeah, that may be real or may not be real. <laughs> that's part of the discussion, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a cool idea of, like, pulling your work up by its bootstraps and getting it up on up higher near the happiness end of the hierarchy. Um, do you Do you think that there is a top to the hierarchy or do you think I, I mean I guess if it the the idea of a circular hierarchy like we were saying earlier would just be the infinite hierarchy that Aristotle was not touching on um, right because that would be existentialism right yeah that would be the the void <laughs> the great void um 
it's hard because I feel like part of how you answer that question decides whether you think there's meaning in anything, right? Yes. Like exactly. If if you're all, <laughs> hence the name existentialism, but if you're if you're always trying to get to another, like it, everything is an end to something else, then it, there's nowhere to land, I guess. Um, there's so, no reward. And and I don't know on what side of the field I sit with that honestly it's hard because I struggle with how we define there being meaning to begin with and so yeah I mean it's a hard question I think I think we definitely I think we definitely can move things higher up the hierarchy like even if there's not an end I think there being an end to the hierarchy emotionally and mentally and in our own heads is different than like in general. Cause like if, you know, I mean, he talks about happiness, but even he was saying like happiness is very subjective. So maybe the comp, like the ultimate good is subjective to the, to the person. But then that's hard too. Cause he talks about like the, you know, political science because it affects more people and you're getting more of them towards the common good or not the common good but the ultimate good which is happiness then you know so you're saying that perhaps it's more of like an ideal that we can work toward like it exists you probably can't achieve it all the time maybe you achieve it every now and then but it's something that is different for each person. And so m- my idea of happiness is probably far different from yours. And so the way I'm going to sort of tune my life is going to be different than the way you aim your life. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a sense, but then it's hard. Cause then, you know, how far do you go down that road before we're just kind of in like postmodernism where like, you know, truth is relative and things like that. Cause I, I mean, this might be a hot take, but I don't think that you can have a getting a society like he's talking about to a ultimate good if everybody's ultimate good is relative, right? There's got to be like some sense of a a point where at least maybe the majority would agree. I don't know. You know, does that make sense? I think, and later. In this book, I know Aristotle establishes uh, what he calls virtue ethics, which I am not currently (laughs) freshly read up on in a way to establish it. Um, But I and I can't remember what he says about sort of like utilitarianism, where the ideal way to tune the society's life would be to tune it for the most good for the most people or like the least harm for the least people. I w- would be interested in reading more about that later, but I currently don't have the answer to that. Um, and the way you would do that would be political science, right? which he's arguing is the greatest science. I don't buy that. <laughs> yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that, but so I do have a question for you about the, the, like the hierarchy especially like near the beginning of what he's talking about do you think that as time has gone on like man has moved like humanity has moved farther from the hierarchy in the sense that like so 
in the past, like you hunt for food. So you hunt, you get food, and then you eat the food, and it's like you're, you're, you know, you have food, so you're happy because you can eat and you're living. But now, somebody has to go to work, earn money, then use that money to buy the food, and then does that make sense? So like we're saying that. In a sense, it's not as straightforward. Like, there's more ends we've to the We've added hierarchy. more ends we've, before we've you get to it. <laughs> do you, I mean, do you think that's a thing? Like, do you think... I, I mean, I definitely think it could be. Um, I, I just... I was thinking about that when you were talking about building a house, like, to live in. But most people who are living in houses didn't build them now, right? right At least not them. in the States. Um, and... We bought them, yeah, or you're renting them, but you're renting them with money that you only have because you worked. Like, so we kind of tune it to where work is the the like baseline that you need to access all these other ends. Well, because money is like the baseline to getting to every like right. the things that you want. So that's an interesting idea. We're also, like, farther away, I think, from the, um, from the, like, what somebody would deem happy, right? Like, we, we've added quality of life things, and so now it's like, well, you're not happy unless, you know, I feel like we now consider, like, things like cell phones and things as part of, like, your maybe your end to get to this like goal of happiness right i mean you know 60 or 70 years ago like most households didn't have a tv and now like most households in america do and it's like how far are we getting from the things that you have to acquire to get to the end like the standard of living yeah i guess is what i'm getting at the simpler life it's gone i yeah it's it's it is interesting um i I think it's it's definitely an issue. Um, I think that I don't know if I think a lot of people have an idea of what like like they have an idea of happiness and perhaps that's how they tune their life but I think a lot of people's ideas of it probably including what i think would make me happy is most likely wrong (laughs) uh which gets into like him saying you know we have to tune it to what we know and like knowledge has two properties what is known to us and what is unknown to us so i mean maybe we're just sold on some dream by an ad that we saw on the internet and that we think will make us happy. Well, we're, and that's what I'm, I think I was thinking too, is like in, you know, in the States we're we're so privileged to have things that people just like 50, 60 years ago, you know, didn't have. Right. We're, and what we consider like almost normal now in, in, at least in the States. Right. I mean, we're, we're talking from our bubble. Right. Um, but, uh, 
we only want something because we know we can want it, right? Like, I mean, people 500 years ago didn't want a cell phone. They wouldn't have considered that an end to getting up the ladder towards happiness. They would have, it would have been maybe, I don't want to say easier, but maybe they had less ladders to climb. And we've just like added and added and added ladders as we've become more privileged as a society. Because you you can look at, you know, the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musks and be like, wow, they have so much stuff. I want that. But if you didn't know them and you didn't know what billions of dollars looks like, then you wouldn't really have something, a ladder to climb in the first place, right? So you're saying that all of the ends, all the actions and ends we put up for ourselves are a sort of cage we put ourselves in. <laughs> in a way, I mean... And if we just... I mean, this is a very new, sort of new idea of saying, like, you know, you, you see ideas, or not ideas, you see, like, people on the internet and, like, you're like, man, looks, you know, you want that, or, like, I wish I had... A house like that or whatever or just you know a house in general It'd be pretty cool um and so you like compare yourself and it in the end makes you unhappy because now you know what you don't have and so it's like you kind of set yourself up for there's so much more to achieve now yeah in a way that's a scary thought you kind of like you've almost like damned yourself because you you now you know the things that you're you know the possibilities of pleasure yeah you've like and it's very you've seen it (laughs) it's real i mean it's it's very um i guess like inbreded in a society that is built on like acquiring wealth right you're because like we said like money is an end to more things. Money is the <laughs> end that will get you. It's like there's there's two ends at the very bottom. There's one branch and it's work. That points to money and then there's like thousands of branches that point off that one thing and happiness probably isn't too far off of many of them. Yeah. And the end is probably only like six or seven steps really. Yeah, but you you complicate it by adding. Oh, it's a it's a network. Yeah, no, I mean it it is. Do you? So, I know you you said you don't agree with like political science being maybe the highest science. Why? Why is that? That's because computer science is the highest science. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I might have been joking. I I I was thinking about it after I said it, and I was like, well, (laughs) if it's not. I don't know what if the highest science it is, would be. Then what is in like his arguments pretty damn good. So I don't know how to refute that. Yeah, I don't know how to refute the idea. The bastard. Of, well, because you think of, you know, I guess the way I think about it, like you know, physics or something. We come up with something in physics, but then if it's going to help people, it's only going to help people through when you work through getting that to help people now you're talking about politics it's and all so, encompassing and yeah it's it is kind of my favorite part way. of his commentary on political science was he basically said young people are end oriented 
and political science won't bring profit. profit. And he was basically saying that even back then, liberal arts won't get you very far. (laughs) (laughs) It's rough. But, I mean, I do... It's it's hard, because it's like... I... You know, so much of what we we think is going to be like the end then we realize there's like that's just another step on the ladder right you know it's just another step and political science is i mean it like it is just another step but it seems maybe i guess i will concede to aristotle that it seems a little higher up on the list <laughs> than we concede the, i mean cuz like i think about you know we come up with if if in psychology somebody comes up with a new therapy technique but to get that therapy technique out to the masses and to get it where it's approved by insurance and it's a like that's all political science like yeah. it, it doesn't do anybody any good it encompasses without. everything so yeah <laughs> can't escape it <laughs> damn him aristotle <laughs> he's pretty good do you think that there's a possibility that the hierarchy is endless but that happiness is the sort of, and this is more of an existentialist thought, that happiness is the sort of veil we hide under to escape the void, like chasing the happiness at the end of the hierarchy that just isn't there. But we know it's there if we just keep going. We keep buying. <laughs> we keep consuming. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's like people who don't, somebody who doesn't have a lot of these things couldn't be happy and like elon musk could be unhappy but elon musk can also be happy and this it's it's like happiness is kind of so subjective i feel like and and that's what he's saying like we, we can't agree on what happiness is in a way i feel like you when you say happiness versus ultimate good and you're defining the ultimate good as happiness all you've done is change the word the definition hasn't changed because you're defining happiness as yeah. the ultimate good. <laughs> All you've done is change the word. It sounds like you've moved through the argument. But if I, if I say, well, the beginning is at the start, you haven't accomplished anything. We're still at the beginning. We've defined the beginning as like the start. Like So it's like if you're defining the ultimate good as happiness, you're also happiness is defined as the ultimate good. But we can't agree on what that is, so... So what does it matter? <laughs> yeah, like, you can use the words interchangeably because it it just is a change in word. It, the definition is the same, and the problem is still the same. You've kicked the bucket, but... Or the can, I guess, down the road. But you're still on the road. You haven't gotten anywhere. You're just kicking the can farther. Um, the endless road. And I mean, and then now we're like, now you're existentialism, right? So like, now we're in, can't escape nihilism. <laughs> it's hard too, because like <laughs> I, you could say like you could come up with some humanitarian, maybe ultimate good, right? Especially when you're talking about what he's saying with political science can affect the most people, right? But then you have like uh so like a lot of people benefited from amazon a benefit from amazon a lot of people work at amazon right 
Amazon delivers things to you in two days <laughs> in the States, wild right? Wild stuff. Right? It's, it's wild, right? But, like, Jeff Bezos built Amazon, like, for money. So it's like he's created this, like, thing that helps people, right? People get their food delivered. Like, you could argue there's, like, some humanitarian benefit to it. But he... Most, I mean, I can't, I can't know him, but, like, most likely, one of his goal, primary goals was money, right? And so... Selling books or whatever it started as. So, like, you know, it's hard, because it's, like, maybe some people are happy through it, but it's still, his happiness maybe came from the wealth he acquired. So, it's like, it's, it's... I, I think it comes down to whether you believe maybe that humans are naturally selfish or naturally selfless. Like, which one is the odd one out, right? Which person is the odd person out? Are we all kind of, like, just doing things selfishly? Like, if you, you know, you might say, like, I want to do all these things to help people, but then it's like, well, why? Oh, we're doing them selfishly. Like, that's is it because sure. it makes you feel better? Yes. Or is it because... And so then that's your happiness, right? So... <laughs> So you're, it's like even doing something humanitarian, say you, say you get, I mean, and we don't have to imagine somebody getting into political science for their own gain. <laughs> like, that is fair. Like, <laughs> um, you just look around, right? Like, so <laughs> them people, like even the highest science, they're just kicking the bucket maybe, right? Or the damn it, the can, right? <laughs> Not kicking it yet. So, it's it's hard, too. I mean, and the things that we deem the things, like we were talking about, the things that would make people happy 2,000 years ago, we, like, don't even care about now. It's like, it's so it makes it very subjective, you know? I'm saying he was a year too off. I mean, he kind of went out of... It was like, okay, so we're going to define happiness. And in the same section, he was like, no. <laughs> we're defining happiness for mankind. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're doing here. Um, And I'm sure if we... When we read further, we will see his sort of ideas... I my hypothesis is that Aristotle did not manage to define happiness in his lectures. I could be wrong. <laughs> if he did, we probably would. Um, personally, I've never heard his definition, so I'm going to assume that he. You know, I I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he just never said it. He probably had it in his brain, but I think, uh, and it's like he said, he's not trying to create a definite answer he's just trying to create a discussion i think is how that would be phrased in today's today's wording like kind of creating awareness around the topic well and it seemed like his combine when you combine kind of those pieces that he's kind of putting together it seems like he's saying like happiness is something that you know when you, you when it's there right like somebody it's hard to define, but maybe somebody knows it from experience. And so that, it seems like that's why he's arguing 
you know, young people not to get in political science because maybe they don't, they don't have enough life experience to know what happiness is yet. And then, and may, hey, maybe, 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 maybe that's somewhere in, in the <laughs> cosmos, right? He, 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 like, we're proving his point right now. Because <laughs> we don't know what the hell is going because on. Because me and you don't know what happiness is, and we're trying to define it. So maybe Aristotle's getting the last laugh, right? Because this oh, podcast is proving his point. I don't put it under him. I remember in my my first, uh, my young 18-year-old self sitting uh, back straight, facing the Ford sitting in the front row of my ethics class at my community college. When my professor was talking about um, Aristotle's virtue ethics, and we didn't necessarily, I think we read an outtake of this. I did not read it because that, well, <laughs> that's the type of student I am. But he said that there's a reason that there's no, you, you never hear the term philosophy prodigy. And it's because it's not something that can necessarily be taught um, which 18 on me, I was sitting in the front, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, he's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's like a reason that most people who, who sort of break out into the philosophy superstardom and have all these papers published, they're not, you know, they have their doctorates already, most likely, that or it's their doctoral thesis, generally. And it's never like some... <laughs> Some eleven-year-old kid who's out there spilling ink, <laughs> getting it all down. Do you think that, like, in that sense, he's right in the sense that you can't teach some things, right? I think, yeah, because I think with with, and I don't know about political science in general, but at least like ethics, um, which I think is generally close to what he's defining as the branch. A political science but in, in general stuff like this like my views and how I think about philosophy even from when I was taking that class at 18 and now I'm 22 it's changed drastically because of the experiences I've had and how like I've lived not necessarily because I've spent weeks and years of my life studying philosophers and I'm sure that would have helped but it hasn't it's like a, I think it's a mixture of the two, and you can't really have one without the other. I think is what he's getting at. Yeah, I mean, I'm a completely, I mean, not completely, but I'm a very different person than I was at 18, right? And the things I thought might make me happy, I don't necessarily want anymore, right? The things I, you know, like, and what's changed that is like experience versus like idealism, maybe, you know idealism is the great the great evil it'll take you out in the, <laughs> the end op- <laughs> we may not know what is at the top of the ladder but we, <laughs> we know that idealism <laughs> that's the opposite if you're going towards that you're going up the wrong hierarchy <laughs> so yeah i mean i think that it can make some things seem really trivial like going to work and like, you know, I think it, I think these are, you know, whether happiness is subjective, how far happiness is up on your personal scale. And maybe that's like the best way to apply it, right? Is it makes us uncomfortable to think about. Because then if, 
if happiness is far up your scale right now, you might have to do some rethinking about how you're structuring things, right? You want to be, even if we can't define what the top is, maybe we know where we're getting there. And I hate that answer. I hate the, well, I know it when I see it. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. I feel like this is such a cop-out, like, because, well, I know it when I see it, but what you see versus what I see are not the same (laughs) thing. So you may know that when you see it, but you can't convince me that... I know it when I see it. There's no line we can draw. And that's the issue, right? We can't define happiness now. It's like you know it when you see it, but there's no... If we can't define it, then it's hard to... You never... You never get there. And maybe that's why we... He says, like, political science is the ultimate science, right? Because it can steer people towards what he's like, the ultimate end. But that would be a utopia. We don't have any utopias around. And maybe maybe that's why, because it's so subjective, right? It's impossible, maybe. I mean, maybe, right? Maybe Aristotle's the only one to ever achieve the top of the higher. (laughs) That's what I think's really going on here. (laughs) He's he's trying to... No, I I agree. I think think it's one of those things that you can't define it, but like... I know when I see it, and you know when you see it, so, like, I guess we're going to have to shake hands and call it a day. And I hate that. That, it's like, I hate that answer. Because, like, you can't test that answer. You can't, like, draw a line in the sand and say, unhappiness, hop over, like, shimmy over. (laughs) There's happiness on this side, right? We can't, it's like, it's grayer than that. And that's what sucks, you know. I can define gravity. I can define light. I I think one of the interesting possible ideas is that since it's like a hierarchy and everything is sort of interwebbed and connected until you reach the top, which is supposedly happiness, there are different, like theoretically, there would be infinitely different paths toward happiness in which you could reach it. Um, And so, like, you may think, like, oh, I need the phone, I need all this. But then maybe another path you could take is doing a meditation or two and realizing you don't necessarily need that. And, like, you don't need that to be happy. You don't need, like, the TV, all this stuff. You don't need your, your Disney Plus, and you can be happy without it. That's just another path. Probably takes the same work at the end of the day but it could be a way to achieve happiness. What, maybe going through, like, being content, maybe? Yeah, is that what you're arguing? Like, con- is, is content, maybe being content is is high, high up there, maybe, maybe. on the scale. Maybe it's at the bottom. Maybe, you never know. <laughs> and maybe it's at the bottom. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe content, maybe if we define content and comfortable as two different things, if we're defining comfortable as a bad thing, then maybe we can throw comfort at the bottom and then, I don't know. Content is the cheat code to the hierarchy. <laughs> it's hard too, right? Because I, I mean, I'm in my 20s, right? So, side note. <laughs> um, I'm in my 20s and I feel like I'm happiest. Like, right now I'm in school, right? So I'm going towards something. I'm climbing the ladder. I'm climbing the ladder. And I'm happier then than when I was trying to be content where I was at. 
So it's like, maybe, what if, <laughs> um, <laughs> you made the joke before we got on here about <laughs> the per- the person who gets 99 on everything in RuneScape <laughs> eventually, <laughs> now we're dating us. <laughs> I feel like we're dating us and we're only 20 years old. <laughs> the person who gets a 99 on everything in RuneScape realizes that the journey was the, the fun part. Or what, what the was grind. It? The grind was the fun part. So, like, maybe... It's 400 hours runecrafting or whatever the hell it takes. <laughs> so, like, that, that's another thing, right? Like, I'm, I'm climbing, but I feel like I'm happier climbing than when I was trying to be content. Where I, does what that make sense? the hierarchy is happiness? And because I, I feel like climbing is uncomfortable. But also, there's a happiness in the climbing maybe i personally think that happiness is just the veil we tell ourselves <laughs> to make it seem like it's not infinite because i do think that there's infinite climbing that can be done yeah that's my personal uh contention here there's always a higher level to get to maybe there's always you may have gotten to 99 but can you get 200 million xp <laughs> and and see but that's the thing is like Maybe that's one of those things our brain lets us do, right? It lets us be happy and content. Because if we didn't, we'd drive ourselves insane. You'd just, you'd work your your fingers to the nubs trying to climb and... And thank the ladder for the opportunity. (laughs) Yeah, you thank the ladder for the opportunity after it's done, had you climbing for 67 years. Like, that... It's hard, because, like I said, I feel like sometimes I'm happier when I'm climbing. Oh, definitely. Has, and then the, maybe the ladder has tricked me. <laughs> As someone who's in their 20s, I don't, like, like, I'm, like, I just recently graduated college, and so, like, I'm entering, trying to start my career, and it's, like, I don't look forward to retirement right now, like, probably just because that's so out of my mindset right now yeah but it's like i am excited to like work and try to like grow and like make something of myself like that seems fun and like the act of doing that seems like it will give me happiness success yeah and it's like part of me is like scared like (laughs) will i want to retire (laughs) like what if this feeling doesn't go away i know it will i know i'm gonna (laughs) in a year i'll be like well and and then it's like success sometimes changes or what somebody wants changes as they age too, which is That's part of Aristotle's point. Yeah. The bastard. And that that's the scary thing. I think there's there's a there's like kind of a a thought in psychology and I'm not gonna try to quote who it's by or because I'm gonna butcher the hell out of it right now but this kind of idea of you know like re-looking at your life when you're like 80 years old and you're like you know um i've heard it said before like you get to a point you know you i'm at like i've heard someone say before i'm at the point where i know there's less in front of me than there is behind me and um that is terrifying to me um but also i think 
at that point, it's like you're looking back on your life and you feel like, did I accomplish the things I wanted to maybe? I don't know. I mean, I'm again, I'm 20 years old. I don't know. <laughs> but like, did I, did I leave a legacy? Did I accomplish things? So it's like the that almost like happiness then is like, what did I accomplish maybe? Whereas your thinking of happiness in the sense of what I am going to accomplish. I've That was this me podcast. trying to wrap up like the <laughs> fruit salad of what I was saying and trying to make something that made sense. This episode has devolved into us solving our quarter life crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though. Seriously. In case you were interested. <laughs> no, I mean... It's kind of it's just frustrating sometimes. Like I said, it's like you can know it when you see it. But that that answer like pisses me off. I want I want to be able to define it. How do I know what I'm chasing if I can't? I mean, because if I'm chasing the end, the end of happiness, right? Is happiness the end? And I'm chasing it. But <laughs> where's <it>? where where <laughs> when, when do it? I know when I get there? Because I feel like so many people, unfortunately, right? Like they chase it they chase it they chase it you know and they never get anywhere right or they're they don't realize everything that they have it's easy to forget the things that you that you have for the chase so the outtake is that there's a a middle ground here where (laughs) you sit in the middle of the hierarchy you have a uh a level of contentness but also a level of ends met and so you're not continuously chasing, ignoring what you have or what you've done. And you're just in the middle there. You're chilling. You're content. You're not ignoring what you've done, but you're not ignoring what you're going to do. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You're not, well, you're not ignoring what you've done and what you have by like being blinded by, it's kind of like Moby Dick, like you're blinded by <laughs> the the whale, uh, but you're also not just at the very bottom with with nothing don't let the chase don't let the chase get you i think that and this is like i'm not qualified in any stretch of the imagination to give this answer even better but i know that's what makes it good right but it seems as i've learned in like some of my development classes um it seems that people get to the end of their life and one of the things that they they want is how are things going to go on after i'm gone how's like what my legacy is for a lot of people what makes them content with feeling the end coming for lack of a better way of saying it is well i have my kids are going to follow me my grandkids are going to follow me like this thing that i built this family that i built is is here it's going to be here after i'm gone for some people, that might be this business that I built. It's going to be here after I'm gone. I'm leaving something. Like, people are going to remember that I'm here, at least in the short term, right? I mean, in the long term, you might argue that nobody's actually going to care ever. But that's another whole, like, nihilist well, yeah. <laughs> existential dread. Um, <laughs> um, Like, Pop Quiz named two people who lived in 500 BCE. <laughs> Aristotle. <laughs> um, but he did not. He did not. Um, but but like this, may, so maybe maybe that would be my my takeaway, right? Like, is don't get so caught up in the chase, like you said, but also 
think about what you've accomplished and think about what that's going to mean. Because I feel like when you get to near the end of your life, that's what's going to make you feel like satisfied and maybe content again. Saying content, maybe you haven't reached happiness, but maybe you've, you're content with it, right? You found a middle ground. Yeah. You're not, you didn't get idealized by the chase or whatever. Don't idealize people. And maybe that's, is that retirement? Is that what retirement is? That's you're my, done chasing. That's my log cabin. You're like, when you retire, you done, I don't know. That's, I feel like that's a whole nother. Like, that's when you start chasing. <laughs> you got other goals. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to have them. Yeah, no. But don't do that, seriously. <laughs> don't wait until you're like 67 to start trying to be happy. No. <laughs> Unless that makes you happy in itself. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, I guess, is is that our that our takeaway? You know it when you see it. Yeah, I know it when I see it. This is me off. <laughs> I think we're seeing it here. We're we're seeing it. You, think, maybe you have to define your happiness, and maybe that's that's okay. And maybe what what defines happiness for the common good of everybody in the society you live in is different, maybe than what it defines happiness to you. I think the goal is hopefully it coincides with the people around you some, so that you don't like end up ostracized or in jail or something like that. But hopefully and hopefully it helps make other people happy maybe maybe that's the ultimate like the uh make yourself happy by and also inadvertently be making other people happy the utilitarianism self selfishly helping other people <laughs> that's how you do it so yeah i i i don't know i feel like this doesn't have a we don't have a thesis. We've strayed very far from... We haven't <laughs> talked about ethics one bit. <laughs> um, Aristotle, virtue ethics, I'll read up on it. We'll read up on it. We'll get back to you. I uh, will, like... The last point I wanted to make was my favorite part of this whole thing was his quote by Plato that was something like the... Are we... Are we looking towards the first principle, or are we looking beyond it, or whatever? Are we heading towards the first principle, or heading from the first principle? And if the first principle is happiness, then we're heading to it, because we still haven't figured it out yet. Maybe, maybe we should turn around. So, yeah. Yeah, so... Maybe, maybe, the, maybe our takeaway should be, if you're listening to this... Take a second today. Maybe reevaluate your ladder. Figure out maybe, even if you can't define the top, try to figure out if you feel out if you're close, closer to the top than you were before, or whether you're moving towards the top, maybe, right? You just got to, uh, got to reevaluate your. I don't know. <laughs> got to reevaluate your ideals. Make sure you got to re-aim. That's what that's what Aristotle would have said. You have to re-aim. Make sure before you uh, shoot your arrow that you're aiming as best you can. Whatever that means to you, <laughs> and whatever your personal target is. Yeah. Well. Live, laugh, love. <laughs>
<laughs> live, laugh, laugh. Um, well, um, you know, I think that's, that's, uh, this is Tucker and, uh, Jiggles and Jiggles, uh, over and out. Um, if you like the, uh, if you like the podcast, like it, uh, like we said, hate It'll the podcast. bring you happiness. Yeah, it will bring you happiness. It, the, like, funny enough, uh, liking the podcast is high up on the ladder. It, I mean, it's, it's right. It's, <laughs> I might even be above political science. Yeah. Aristotle I mean, said it at some point. I think that's in chapter five. We'll get to that next yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. And if not in preparation, go ahead and like the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, and leave a comment maybe, uh, how you define your, your happiness. Like I said, it's subjective. So maybe leave a comment. What are you chasing? What do you, have you, have you reached it? Are you still chasing? I don't know. Just... Leave a comment. Join the discussion. Tell us how happiness is easily defined. <laughs> we're just <laughs> such dumbasses. Tell us we're too young. And then make fun of us for proving uh, Aristotle's point about young people not understanding happiness. Please do that. Please, yeah, please do that. <laughs> we li- we would literally love that. Just add add comments about how we're we're proving Aristotle's point. All for Aristotle. So yeah. Um, so again, I'm Tucker. I'm Jiggles. This is over and out. This is Jiggles here, coming in with the sources. Uh, First of all, the translation of ethics by Aristotle that we were reading it was translated by W.D. Ross, published by Batash Books uh, in 1999. So if you read something and it was vaguely different, that's why the work has been translated probably more times than the Bible. So we're getting in there. Um, for more information about Aristotle's life itself, uh, we found Britannica.com's article on Aristotle very useful and then if you also took a philosophy class in college you're probably familiar with summary websites we found the summary on litcharts.com to help explain some of the ideas in the book ethics Uh, very helpful and uh, you should definitely give it a read if you're looking for short quick summaries for each of the sections